Welcome to the Renewing the Center podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, and we want to thank you for joining us today. Here at Renewing the Center, we're answering God's call to work for the spiritual renewal of the church. For more information, visit renewingthecenter.org. We're glad to have you with us today. Now, let's make some space for God's renewing work. Today on the podcast, we are going to look at Psalm 12. I'm going to read, and then we'll pray, then we'll just jump right in. The poet writes, Help, O Lord, for there is no longer anyone who is godly. The faithful have disappeared from humankind. They utter lies to each other. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boast. Those who say, With our tongues we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is our master? Because the poor are despoiled, because the needy groan, I will now rise up, says the Lord. I will place them in the safety for which they long. The promises of the Lord are promises that are pure, silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will protect us. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted among humankind. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray and let's try to hear the Lord today. Father, we ask you to help us to sit still in this passage. God, wherever it is that we are, in our cars, on a walk, in our offices, at home, Father, we pray that you would help us to hear you and to reflect. God, I pray that we would actually experience spiritual renewal, even in these few minutes, Lord, as we set them aside. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I chose this passage, which, gosh, may not feel fitting as an Advent passage, if you think of Advent as a time that's basically just Christmas in advance. But I chose this passage today because uh, we're going to consider how we're meant to respond when things seem to be falling apart. And I actually think that that's a really fitting thing for us to be reflecting on during the Advent season. Uh, Frankly, Advent this year could not have come at a better time. In years gone by, Advent always feels um, like we're we're trying to push into a dark space before the brightness of Christmas, and it always feels tricky, right? Because, you know, just as soon as we get through the Thanksgiving holidays, which we already have, we start to hear the Christmas music on the radio, and our hearts start moving toward festive spaces. Well, probably not this year. I mean, with all that's going on in our country, the bitter division over politics, the pandemic wearing on and getting worse and worse. I mean, by the time you're hearing my voice now, we're we're probably sitting in one of the darkest spaces of the pandemic. Uh, this is a dark time. And frankly, Advent is meant to be a kind of darkness before the brightness of Christmas. And so maybe Advent actually is perfectly timed uh, for us to get it this year, for us to grab onto it and lean into it because Advent is a season of darkness and and preparation, a, a season where we cultivate longing and desire as we navigate our way through darkness. If you'll think about the first coming of Jesus, he came at a time when the world was in a remarkably dark place. And the second coming of Jesus will be much the same. And so now as we look for Jesus, it's okay for us to acknowledge that we're in a dark place. So this passage becomes actually really, really relevant for us as we sit in this Advent season. Because the, the key uh, when it comes to flourishing spirituality is being able to anticipate God's coming even as you sit in a really dark place. So 
Let's, let's look at the passage and see what the Lord has to say. There is, uh, the first thing I think we need to sit with here, there is an unmistakable deterioration happening at the beginning of this poem. The, the psalmist begins with, Help, O Lord, for there is no longer anyone who is godly. The faithful have disappeared. So in his eyes, things are getting worse, not better. And frankly, as I look around, <laughs> things are getting worse, not better. Uh, this myth of progress, uh, this idea that we um, are so sophisticated and so intelligent and so progressive and so educated that we should be able to cure all evils and all divisions um, is just evaporating right in front of our faces. My, my mind goes back to where the world was at the time of World War I. During that time in, in world history, specifically in, in America and the West, we, we had begun to believe that we could just cure any problem, that technology and science would fix it all. And then World War I happens, and the world uses its technological genius to inflict unspeakable horror on one another. And out of that devastation of World War I, the myth of progress just evaporated. It vanished in front of us. Now... I think we're in much the same place. I think that this idea that we can control outcomes, that we can make for a nice and pol polite society just seems to be disintegrating right in front of us. We are divided. Uh, we are frightened. We are sick. Uh, we are angry. All of these things right now mark our society. And so when I read the poet saying, help, O Lord, for there is no longer anyone who is godly, the faithful have disappeared, there's a sense of resonance there because many of you uh, are sitting with a sense of real grief and real loss. And if we're honest, we would just acknowledge that we are in a hot mess right now. And in the midst of that mess, we don't know who to trust. Um, and so the poet's words about lying lips actually just fly up and right now, when we think about politics and we think about world stage issues, um, many of you are in that sort of befuddled middle, what I would call the exhausted majority, people who don't know who to believe. We can't trust our leaders. We can't trust a peaceful transition of power. There's so much now that we don't feel like we can trust. And my mind is taken to what the poet says when he says, God does not like boasting lying tongues. We're actually told in this story that he'll cut those lips off. And there's this invitation for us, especially when we feel disquieted, to, to mind our mouths, to, to speak less. Um, beware when you think or follow someone who thinks what the poet says. With our tongues we will prevail. Our lips are, are our own. We have no master. Recently, we spent some time in this podcast in the book of James focusing on our speech and the power of our tongues and specifically the, the devastating negative potential of our, our words when they're carelessly uttered. And I believe that there's an invitation here from the Lord in this psalm and in this moment for us to reign in our speech, to refrain from sharp and boastful words, to be aware, beware of aligning with people who do those kinds of things. And one of the things that I've noticed about myself is the more disquieted I am, the more disoriented I am, the more prone I am to sin with my, with my mouth. And I think there's an invitation here for you and for me to tend to the guarding of our lips. We have got to be careful, full of care when it comes to our speech. Because God doesn't love lying, boasting tongues. And so the poet cries out to God. He actually asks God 
um, to cut off boastful tongues and flattering lips. He asked God to do something about the brokenness and the darkness in the world. And I just want to say that's your job too, but that has a two-edged sword attached to it. When I cry out for God to silence lying lips and boasting tongues, while I may be thinking about people outside myself, there's also an invitation for me to say, God, would you silence the boasting and the lying that would live in me? See, be, be careful not to say things or pray things about others that you don't wish to have boomerang back to yourself. One of the great invitations when it comes to spiritual formation is to be willing to receive the correction that we wish others would receive. So I think there's an invitation for you to pray, for you to cry out to God when things don't seem right, to be able to acknowledge when things seem off kilter or spinning out of control, frankly. That's exactly what the poet's doing here in Psalm 12. But here's where where it ends. It ends with God actually responding to that cry. And y'all, we have to begin to cultivate a faith response in this area. We've got to begin to believe that when we cry out in our desperation, when we see the world seemingly spinning off its axis, that God is going to hear and God is going to act. And so in this particular poem, God defends the needy. He rises up. He defends those who are victimized. He, he advocates for those who are oppressed. And if you feel victimized and oppressed, God is going to advocate for you. But he certainly is going to advocate for those of us who are living out on the margins, our brothers and our sisters who are uh, voiceless, powerless. God reminds us here through the poet that his promises are pure and valuable. He uses that picture of silver refined in a fire, that they're both pure, heated seven times, but they're also valuable. And I just want to say we forget the purity and the value of God's promises when we're in a dark place, but God actually remains true in those spaces. Our job, your job, my job is to intentionally carve out space to remember, to remember that God is God even when you are in the dark. And one of the reasons why we do what we do here at Renewing the Center is I think you need a regular reminder that God is God, even when you are facing darkness. I know I need that reminder. Just the discipline of sitting in front of this microphone in my daughter Scout's bedroom, um, it's where, I, where we make this happen, is in, in a closet in my child's bedroom. I come here by myself because I need to remember I need to read the Bible and say these things to you so that we both remember that God's promises are true even in the valleys. Hear the language. We're going to end here. The poet says, you, O Lord, will protect us. You will guard us from the wicked. He has done it. Even when we're in the darkness, we have to remember he will do it again. Father, I pray for my friends and I ask for grace. I pray for protection. I pray that you would help us to be the kinds of people that trust you even in the darkness, even as we give voice to the fact that things don't seem like they are going the way we wish or hope they would go. And we ask you, Lord, to come down, to rend the heavens and come down and begin to move in our lives in fresh and new ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you would like to continue meditating on what you heard today, take some time to recall an idea or an image that encouraged or challenged you in this episode. When things stand out to us in God's Word, or in our lives, or in what we're reading, or in devotional talks, it often means that God is offering us His help and His guidance. When you have your idea or image in mind, carry it with you as a prayer, coming back to it in the spaces throughout your day. How does it speak to you and where you are right now? 
What does it say about God and what he wants for you? Speak to him about these things. Listen for his still small voice and respond to him as simply and as honestly as you can. Thanks for listening. We look forward to having you back here again with us next time at Renewing the Center. Thank you.